Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rule of Two podcast, a podcast with a K dedicated to all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Aaron Richland, and with me as always is my trusty co-host, Sean Ritter. How's it going? What's up, man? What's up? I am getting very excited. Uh, Very exciting day for both of us and Star Wars fans everywhere. Today is May 25th. Uh, the day that Solo, a Star Wars story, officially launches in theaters. Super yeah, pumped. Very pumped. It, it, it's kind of funny because I've been waiting. I feel like I've been waiting for this day for so long. Yeah. But it's only been six months since the last Star Wars movie. It's pretty awesome. It's really great. Uh, I mean, I keep. I feel like I keep going back to this um, Marvel comparison. We're mm-hmm. getting so many Star Wars movies all the time now. We really don't have to wait like we like we used to when we were growing up. It's also funny too because we started this whole solo Star Wars story journey by not really being that excited about the movie. We've already seen so much of Han Solo do something do something new, right? It was I think the general complaint uh, for most Star Wars fans, but I can't tell you how pumped I am about the movie coming out today, especially after. Everything that's been been in the news, which we're going to go through here today, mm-hmm. all of the all of the TV spots, which yeah. I think is a good place to a good place to start. We've, yeah. we've seen so, a couple of new ones, right? Exactly. Well, in our previous episode, I think episode one actually the that was dedicated to you know the solo movie, and we talked about right. some of the the production issues that they had, some of the issues with the actor uh, Alden Ehrenreich and and his portrayal and acting skills whether or not that's going to be an issue uh so I, there was I thought, a lot of doubt around yeah, yeah. whether or not he was going to be able to, exactly. to so i thought we'd take the time you know this is uh one of the bigger star wars days of the year uh having a new solo or new star wars movie coming out so i figured we'd take the time to talk about some of the new things that came out since our last episode and we you know we'd start with let's start with some of the trailers i had previously been unaware of or something that wasn't made very clear at, at least for me i don't know about you but um, you know, we always knew this was going to be a solo origin story, mm-hmm. right? What I w- always wondered was, okay, are they also going to show how Han and Chewie met? And one of the more recent spots that I've seen, you see Han and Chewie on this bridge. It's cold. It's snowy. Uh, and, and Han, they're both sitting there and he turns over to Chewie and he says, so what's your name? And that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, they didn't know each other. And like, that's another again i'm getting more and more excited about this movie and that's was definitely something that stood out to me i'm like oh cool we get to see how they met where you know supposedly and again i think this might have been coming from a lot of expanded universe stuff so probably not canon but chewy owes han a life debt i don't remember them ever bringing that up in in, in the movies that's canon or not but i don't uh, either but that was always kind of our assumption like okay well what did han do to save Chewie, to for for him to vow this sort of life debt to him, so mm-hmm. that's going to be really cool seeing their yeah uh, yeah their, their essentially their first meeting yeah on that point I think if I remember correctly and I could be wrong about this but I think the old legends what was in the expanded universe was something along the lines of the Empire went to Kashyyyk, kidnapped a bunch of Wookies, uh, essentially enslaved them to help build the Death Star and. Han helped save Chewie from that. I think that was kind of the general origin of how they met, and that's why there was that life debt. So knowing who Han is, I, I think we know that he definitely was in the Empire, like he was a, a recruit to the Empire. So maybe they are kind of borrowing from that. Maybe that's some of the reason why they that, mm-hmm. that's how they met. Who knows? You know, We'll find out tonight. We do see Chewie embracing another Wookiee. So it, it could ha- I mean... Again, all speculation. Maybe, maybe Han had something to do with saving this Wookiee that meant something to to Chewie. Who, who knows? Point being, we're gonna get to see how they met, how their friendship grew. You know, um, more of their 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 backstory, which is which is very cool. Yeah, I think uh, so. One of the other trailers, I think one of my favorite ones that I saw was this one called Ride, um, and we'll link to most of the trailers that we watched. Um, leading up to this in this show notes so this this trailer called ride it had it started out with uh i think han saying how he was going to be the best pilot in the galaxy um and lando says i like this kid and then it it shoots up the the millennium falcon right 
Um, yeah, you one, see it like in, in, in orbit of some planet. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I, I noticed with that is that the Millennium Falcon looked almost identical to what we see in A, a New Hope, which is kind of strange because we, we one of the things we talked about in the last episode was how the Millennium Falcon had that little extra piece on it. Yeah, there's no the the the, the front end didn't have that pronged mm-hmm. effect. It yeah. was a, it was a solid piece. Exactly. There was no gap in between, and it looked more rugged. It looked more like Han's Falcon, not right. so much as Lando's Falcon. That centerpiece was missing. Mm-hmm. It's got that gap. It looks a little more run down, uh, not as brand spanking shiny new. So the Millennium Falcon clearly goes through some shit. Um, and I think there was another TV spot called Team where it went through some of the introduction between Han and Lando, which is something I haven't seen before, and it was pretty interesting. So, yeah, yeah, um, there again, that's another relationship that we've we don't really know that much about how they met, um, how they became friends, what happened to them that kind of shoved the wedge between what used to be their friendship you know mm-hmm. because we don't see lando until episode five and some stuff has clearly gone on in their past um uh, ass- assuming we're probably going to see the event that took place where that eventually took the millennium falcon from lando's ownership and put it into han's hands mm-hmm. all all very cool stuff Another one, one thing that I was very excited about uh, in one of the TV spots that we saw, I think it was called, the spot was called Lieutenant. Kira is going to be a badass. I think so. We see her, like a, a very pseudo fight sequence between her and Paul Bettany's character, uh, Dryden Voss. Another thing about Kira that I, I found very interesting I didn't previously know, I was watching an interview uh, with Amelia Clark and... She was basically saying that her her character and, and Han had known each other since they were mm. kids, known each other for a, a really long time. Something happened where they grew apart and then and then, you know, the plot of the movie starts and they're they're brought back together, yeah. uh, presumably for this job that this big time gangster is. Yeah, you hear Woody Harrelson's character um Beckett, I believe is his name. Uh, he, he pretty much says in every one of the trailers about the big shot gangsters putting together a crew, right? And in this lieutenant TV spot, uh, Dryden Voss calls Kira his top lieutenant. So there's something going on there where they definitely have a history together, and that is what's bringing them together, I presume? I, I would presume the same thing. And it's also made very clear to us that this big time gangster is Dryden Voss. Yeah. Uh, which something... Uh, Again, this is this might be just a, a silly Star Wars fandom hope, uh, but Dryden Voss, at least in the earlier trailers, we see this flash of red, some sort of red mm-hmm. weapon. It's clear that it's in in some of these newer TV spots that it's not a light whip. It doesn't look like it anyway, mm-hmm. like it, I originally thought, but. The last name Voss is not an unfamiliar name to the Star Wars universe. That's true. I'm speaking, of not. course, of Quinlan Voss. Mm-hmm. Who is um, canon. He is in Clone Wars. Who is officially canon. And Quinlan Voss was a member of the Jedi Order, but he wasn't always. He does have uh, some darkness uh, in his history. So I don't know that there's ever that there's going to be any connection there, but... I mean, look, something that kind of stuck up, to, stuck out in my mind, which would be really sweet. That'd be great. I, look, there's a lot of names you can pick from in the Star Wars universe. Of so course, picking Voss, while could be coincidental, may not be. I, I mean, especially I, now that he is officially canon. Quinlan Voss has always been a fan favorite uh, was, among yeah, the Star Wars cool. community. So, I think another theme that we see throughout a lot of these TV spots is. Uh, and it's something we see in A New Hope and throughout the original trilogy about how the Millennium Falcon is the fastest ship in the galaxy, right? So yeah, yeah. in one of the TV spots, I can't remember which one it was, but Dryden Voss is talking about needing a fast ship, also a brilliant pilot is what he says. And I think we know, obviously, who the answer to both or what or who the answer to both of those are going to be. Fast ship, Millennium Falcon and brilliant pilot 
Han Solo. Obviously, obviously. Um, Speaking of the Millennium Falcon, I I couldn't help but laugh hysterically a little bit uh, during one of the spots. I think it was it was Ride, where we see the hollow chess. Mm. Uh, and Chewie and Woody Harrelson's character Beckett are are playing, and Chewie gets mad, obviously because he's he losing or not doing well. Clearly and he sucks at chess. <laughs> Hollow chess. And of course we know, Wookies are known for being poor sports and getting mad when they get loose. Uh, and he tries he slams his arm down and tries to swipe away the chess boards and and. Uh, Brickett makes fun of him and says something along the lines of, uh, "You can't, you can't do that. They're holograms, you idiot." <laughs> it was just uh, again another very clear instance of them taking advantage of all of the humor, yeah, uh, uh, that we've heard about from from various sources. They're going to be present in this movie. That is a theme that another theme that I think we've seen in throughout almost all of the TV spots and trailers is the humor, right? And I, I just hope that they didn't use all of them in the trailers, right? Like you see that a lot with like scary movies where they show all the scary scenes in the trailer or sometimes with a comedy, most of the, the funny parts are in the trailer. So I really hope they didn't – I hope they left some surprises for us. I hope they saved the best ones for, yeah. for the actual show. A- absolutely. So that goes into some of the TV spots that were available. Uh, those were more just trailers and kind of – some teases as to what we can expect. There were also some full clips that they released on their YouTube channel. We'll link to those in the show notes below, but I personally stayed away from those. I did not really want to watch any of those because the, while the trailers, yes, they can spoil some things, the clips so it's usually full things, right? right the, the trailers whole, are small details. Scene. Yeah. These are actual like 30 second, minute and 30 second yep clips of the actual film and i did i haven't seen all of them but i did watch one of them and it was it was pretty great yeah i think it was the the three that i saw were available to watch the one that you watched which was what was that about again uh so it's it's the scene where han is there with breckett and i believe he's also there with kira and lando uh, and the Millennium Falcon's off in the distance, and they're meeting a character called Enfys Nest, mm-hmm. I believe is yeah. how you pronounce her name. Uh, yeah. You see her in the trailer. She's call- covered in armor and has like a spear. The new badass-looking um, character. Yeah, presumably they're there to... Or, or she is there to collect on some debt. And it's the, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's the, the, their first meeting and and the interaction between them. And it was, it was great. It's, it's very, again, classic Han Solo. What he does, what he says, what happens is all fantastically brilliant. So the movie comes out tonight for all of us less fortunate tunnel dwellers yes uh for for the elite members of society the movie actually premiered uh a week ago right? or just people that live in la or or you know or london i guess also or that I didn't see that one or that but yeah that, that premiered yeah, last about a week, week about a i week think ago? week yeah. week week something and a half like ago something like that yeah uh, and there were some pretty cool things going on there, on the red carpet there was a lot of cool things so we're gonna break down some of this there were some interviews with the cast and crew they showed off some pretty cool things um so we'll jump right in with kind of so what they did which you had to look this up this is really cool we'll obviously link the entire uh, stream in the show notes but they actually built a looks semi full-size replica of the of the Millennium Falcon. I don't think you go into it, but it was full size and they put it in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Chinese theater there. And it looked really awesome. Why would you take the time to build a, a, essentially a full size Millennium Falcon if the people who spent all this money to be on the red carpet to go to the premiere can't like walk through it? I don't like know. why would you not why would you not do that? That that should be like part of your entrance to the red carpet mm-hmm. is you get there you walk through the Millennium Falcon to get to the. I, I don't. I don't. Well, it seems like a missed opportunity. And another thing that we see with pretty much every every Star Wars movie that's come out so far since Disney took over is 
uh, Nissan and their their marketing scheme and how they have commercials around their Nissan Rogue, right? We see that with the latest movie with the scene between Chewbacca and L3. Right. Uh, really great. Right. They also had a customized Nissan Rogue that looked like a Millennium Falcon, right? So with On the, the red carpet. On the, Yeah, on the red carpet. It was awesome. I, I don't think they're going to sell this one. Uh, it would be I awesome really wish did. that they would. But And we'll link to this in the show notes as well. But this is really awesome. So what they did was they took the Nissan Rogue and worked with the designers at uh, Lucasfilm and essentially made a customized version of the Nissan Rogue with, that looks like the Millennium Falcon. So they had a cockpit over the windshield that was, you know, the circular with the, the little panes. Right. Um, the back of it had the little circle things that they have and then also the little blue, you know, energy thing that, you know, shoots out all the time. I don't know right, what it's called. Right, right. The blue energy thrusters that propels the Millennium yes. Falcon was yeah. was was what? The, the the headlight, the taillights presumably no, all the way across the back. All the way across the back. It was really awesome. Um and you know, it actually customized the inside like the Millennium Falcon cockpit. Oh, that so is like awesome. lights and all sorts of things which, you know, they don't do that on a normal car. No. No. Presumably not gonna be for sale to the uh, unfortunately public. Not. Really sad because I would try my hardest to fork up the money to buy that bad boy. You are in the market for a new car, so I, it would I, have been perfect timing. It would have been perfect timing, although probably a little out of my price range, <laughs> I would imagine. So you watched more. You kept up with more of the premiere uh, mm-hmm. than I did. I do know that there were some Twitter polling going on during the premiere where they would ask yeah questions and and people would respond with with the answers yeah so i thought it'd be kind of interesting to to kind of go over some of their twitter polls so what they did is they had well, one of the hosts ask a twitter or ask a question and to the twitter sphere i guess and people would submit their answers in video form or or not and uh then they would show the results and they were interesting questions all having to do with uh with solo so i figured we'd go through a couple of these and uh just you know, maybe I'll see what you think, and, and we'll go from there. I was gonna say, yeah, you, like let's read off the questions, the the uh, the options, uh, and discuss I'll, it a bit. Yeah, discuss it a bit, and I'll try to guess which one I think was what came out on top, or which one I would have picked that came out okay. on top. Yeah. So the the first question was, uh, who would be your Millennium Falcon co-pilot? And the mm. options were Han, Chewie, Lando, or Kira. I mean, I think there's really only one clear. Well, let me ask you this: Is Kira butt ass naked? <laughs> that uh, you know, that was left out of the question. I'm gonna um, presume no, then. Unfortunately, uh, so I, I mean, I think there's really only one one option. I mean, it's got to be Chewy. See that? Okay, so that actually won. Yes. Um, however. I don't know about you. So this is asking who you, you would want as your co-pilot. Right. If, I, if it was the me. Best co-pilot. No, 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 no. If it was me yeah. piloting the Millennium Why, Falcon, who would I want sitting next to me? Would you not want the best pilot in the galaxy next to you? Like, I would have voted Han Solo, personally. I mean, but then well, there would be, like, clashing heads, and, and, and that would just be awkward, you know? See, I think that's that's the thing, because Chewie's more reserved, a little bit, I guess you could. I mean, a little really more taking orders, level-headed but... than than Han. It, and so, d- does this mean that I'm not the best pilot in the galaxy? See, that's a good question. I don't know. Either way, I mean, I'd have to. I'd, Maybe I'd you won it from Han in a Sabak game. <laughs> now, is it Sabak? Oh, you know what? That might be from Kotor. Is it Sabak? Actually, uh, Kotor. It's it's. Uh, Pazak, Pazak, and Kotor. It is Sabak that they that they play. Pazak is Kotor. Yes. Quick little uh, trivia that I don't know if you knew, but I was listening to a podcast from our good friends Rogue Squadron podcast, and they had uh, Drew Carpetian uh, mm-hmm. on recently, and I was listening to it, and I learned that he actually invented. Pazak yeah. for the game. He came up with the rules. He came up with with everything, which I thought was really cool. That is very cool. I actually, I listened to that as well, and I think he said something along the lines of they wanted a Star Wars version of Blackjack, and that's what he came up right. with. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little 
cool thing and that I way remember. Way better than Blackjack, too. <laughs> way better. Way better than Black. Anyway. Okay. Cool. So that was the first question. Um, and Chewie did win that one. So the next question was, which new alien are you most excited to see? And mm. there's quite a few new aliens, some right. of which I have no idea who the hell they are. I'm sure I'm in the same uh, boat. <laughs> so the first one was Rio. That is John Favreau. John Favreau. Character. Yeah, I yeah. knew that one. Yeah. Then there is Therm Scissor Punch. Apparently he Therm is. Therm Scissor yes. Punch. Apparently he's a, a one of the aliens sitting at the the gambling like, like table. Snizzer, scissors clip snip snip and then punch like fist. Yep. It's together. Uh, okay. Okay. Combined in one word, scissor punch. All right. Interesting. Um, and then the next one was Moloch. Um, I have no idea who he is or she. I no 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 reference to where they're at in the trailer. I, yeah. Who they're gonna nothing. I cannot find. I mean, I guess they're probably in the trailer somewhere, but I don't really remember. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And then Argus Six Eyes Panix Panix Ponix. I don't know. So again, the the options are Rio, Therm Scissor Punch, Moloch, and Argus Six Eyes Panix. Hmm, interesting. Not knowing, I mean, I would say not knowing anything about any of them. I'd have to go with Therm Scissor Punch just because that name sounds pretty cool. It is a dope name. <laughs> like, my name's Therm Scissor Punch. Like, who's going to fuck with somebody named Therm Scissor Punch? Not many Nobody. people. I mean, Nobody. He's, he's sitting at the gambling table with a bunch of smugglers, so he's probably a badass. Yeah, so to me, this one was kind of a rigged question, right? Because... No one knows who any of them are except for maybe Rio because that person at least has a speaking role in the movie uh, and or it, in the trailers. And is being voiced by John exactly. Favreau. So, but a lot of people probably don't even know like what the character – I mean I only recently found out that his name was Rio. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a rigged yeah. question for yeah. sure. And Rio won. Of course. The next question was which scoundrel would be the first to join your crew? So you're putting together a crew – so it would be the first one that I yeah, picked which one would be to be part of my that crew. Would jo- that, would, that you would want to join your that crew. That I would want to join. Okay. The options were Breckett, which is Woody Harrelson's character. Mm-hmm. Val, mm-hmm. which I believe is Thandie Newton's character. Mm-hmm. Rio, John Favreau's. Mm-hmm. Or L337, the droid for Lando. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I feel like just out of efficiency, I'd probably go with L3. You got to go with the droid, right? Uh, they're assumably going to be the most efficient. Uh, they're a machine. They need to eat more food for you. They don't need exactly. <laughs> uh, they're probably more well versed in mechanics in case something breaks. I, I mean, like, the list goes on and on, but I, I'd have to go with the droid. You got to go with yep. the droid first. So L three did win. Now I would have picked L three as well. So. Um, but kind of so, knowing what I know now after watching some of the the premiere and the interviews, I think Val would also probably be a good one, which we'll touch on that in a little bit. But I did read I did read the the tie-in novel Last Shot, which had a little bit of L three in it, and mm-hmm. L three seems like a badass. So I would have definitely picked her for like hands down. And and Last Shot is the the Han yes. Lando movie that yeah. takes place over a period novel. of time. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, did I say movie? Yeah. Novel uh, that take pl- takes place over over a period of time. It's both before yeah. and after this, mm-hmm. well, and we'll during touch on that this movie. Bit, but yeah, L three really the clear choice to me. Oh yeah, I think I think the droid just swept that one. So yeah. All right, and the final question, and probably the toughest one out of all of them, was Ooh, here we go. Who's the galaxy's most fashionable gambler? Mm. Is it A. Lando Calrissian? <laughs> B. Lando Calrissian, <laughs> or C, Lando Calrissian, or D, Lando. It's a tough one. <laughs> this is a question that they actually. They uh, actually. Uh, I'm not joking. And those are the the uh, answer the options that they. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> mm, I'm gonna have to go with B, Lando actually, Calrissian. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh! You B won known. by thirty-five percent, oh, not by thirty-five percent. One thirty-five percent of the vote. Wow! So, nice guess. Yeah, yeah. I, dude, awesome. I'm I'm on it today. I don't know what to tell you. That's funny. Uh, I mean, I don't know who else it would be other than other than Lando. Nobody else. <laughs> Probably seen, the purpose of the question, obviously. You've seen those capes? Oh, I've seen the capes. I want to be in those capes. Yeah, and that's actually something that was one of the clips that they showed during the premiere. 
was I think we may have talked about it before. I don't know, um, but it was Lando, or excuse me, Donald Glover. Uh, he was giving a tour of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and he, he went through the entire interior. Entire thing. It was, it was really cool to see because that's another thing that they mentioned in this. Uh, Pablo Hidalgo is um, I don't know his exact role, but he's he's a creative person at Lucasfilm. I believe mm-hmm. very into a lot of. I think he writes a lot of those uh, like companion books to yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, yeah he also, with like all the diagrams of all the ships and like correct. what the names of all the aliens are and all. Mm-hmm. he also gave a uh, pseudo tour of the millennium falcon and uh in that he said that this is the first time that they had a set of the millennium falcon that was complete where you walk in through oh. the up ramp you know through the on ramp all the way through the interior all the way to the cockpit and like and, all, and that sort of thing Whereas previously, it's just pieces that are broken up to different sets, right? Really? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is really awesome, actually. And how fortunate for the cast and crew to be there and actually get to go on the full Millennium Falcon. That is Mm -hmm. really sweet. Harrison Ford didn't even get to do that. He was the original Han Solo. Wow. That's like like kind of mind-blowing a little bit. I hope they at least let him on set. I mean, he kind of deserves that, right? I would hope that he would have come to set at least once or twice. (laughs) I mean, come on. Speaking of Harrison Ford, did you see the, I think it was Entertainment Weekly? Entertainment Tonight? E.T.? Something like that? Anyway. I did not. They were interviewing Alden Ehrenreich and asking him about what, Harrison Ford had told him in terms of advice for playing Han Solo, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I've heard that question be asked multiple times throughout uh, some of the interviews. And he always says that uh, Harrison Ford told him to say that he gave him really good advice and that he wasn't allowed to say what it was. So he said that. Um, oh, interesting. But as he was giving that answer, Ron Howard was walking behind him accompanied by Harrison Ford. By Harrison Ford. And I didn't see the video, but I, I heard about that they like surprised him or whatever. Like yeah. he was giving this And it, it was cool because you know, the reaction that Alden Ehrenreich had was clear that he, you know, he respected Harrison Ford and, and was shocked to see him and it, it was uh it was pretty cool. You guys gotta check that out. We'll link that in the show notes as well. I I'm gonna check it out for sure. But anyway, so uh, speaking of the cast and crew, one of the what kind of took up most of the premiere was uh, the hosts interviewing various members of the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talked to pretty much every major character from the character, or the actor that is playing uh, Chewie. But so wait, that means we're not going to get any Peter Mayhew this time I, around. I don't actually know if he's credited in this. Uh, so this is the actor who has played Chewie in um, the other two movies as mm-hmm. well. I know Peter Mayhew did, he did some, some of them. them. Right. It was like more that more the yes. more of the strenuous activities is, that Peter Peter can't exactly. do. Yeah. And and he kind of touched on that in in terms of uh, how he's approaching it. Um he he doesn't want so they asked him if he was recognized, right? Like walking down the street, like Peter Mayhew is a pretty recognizable person. People oh, know who Peter Mayhew at, at is, this right? point, yeah. yeah. So he says that you know he doesn't get that recognition, but that he doesn't really want it, and not because like he doesn't want the notoriety, but because he wants you to think that it's still Peter Peter Mayhew. Mayhew. A very interesting yeah. and very um, noble of him to to want to mm-hmm. you know maintain yeah. that true essence of Chewbacca. That's pretty cool. So they also interviewed some other people. Um, they interviewed Paul Bettany, who plays Dryan Voss, Matthew Wood, who is uh, the sound engineer at uh, at Lucasfilm, who's been involved in many, many Star Wars things, dating back to, I think, The Phantom Menace, I think was his first gig. The voice of my one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, General Grievous. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. He was interviewed. That was an interesting thing. Um, they interviewed a, they interviewed pretty much everybody, and I, I kind of want to touch on a few of them that were that were fun. We'll we'll link in the show notes to each individual piece and where they're at in the the premiere. But uh, I think probably my favorite, which may be a surprise to you, Sean, actually, was John Powell, who is the composer of the score for this movie, right? Really? Yes. So this is a guy who, if you look at his IMDb page, he has over seventy credits to you know on his imdb page right? it's no small feat so it is no he's no small guy who no small composer he has credited with things such as how to train your dragon and he did kung fu panda and probably one of my favorites of his is 
the Bourne trilogy. Well, not just the trilogy, but all the Bourne movies. Oh, very sweet. Yeah, that's a that's a very distinct, in my opinion, score. Right? Absolutely. I yeah, it. I mean, I can I can hear the Bourne uh, score in my head right now. So that's that's sweet. Yeah. So he actually said that when he found out that he got the role, uh, that he was going to be doing the score, that he felt like quote a nervous Padawan. Which I thought was kind of interesting, knowing who he is and how well he's done with his career, but still following the footsteps of someone like John Williams. That's, you know, no small shoes to fill and can get anybody to be nervous about doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think he has a right to be to be nervous. I mean, John Williams is one of the most iconic composers um, of all time. time. And uh, is this... Uh, now, I don't know. Is this the first one that John Williams hasn't been involved with as far as the score goes? I don't recall. I think we talked about this briefly in the one of the previous episodes. I think he may not have done much with the Rogue. I think it was kind of a similar Rogue thing because he did some stuff with this, I think. But the score like was finalized and pushed through by, by John, John Powell. Powell. So, uh, and then he, he also had a cool conversation with the, the host who asked him kind of what it's like to, to take what is the iconic theme of Star Wars and to kind of weave it with these new... Uh, melodies that kind of fit with the with the direction of the movie's going, right? Um, which we talked about previously. Yeah, I mean, the music that we at least we've seen the trailer so far has been spectacular yeah, it's and, unique, and awesome. It's kind of guitar riffs, kind of sort of thing, which very cool. I'm, I'm like, and you still hear a lot of the, of the, the old classic, uh, yeah, melodies and yeah. everything from the original movies while maintaining this. It helps to bring out the persona and tone of the movie at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and then and when asked what his favorite um, theme was, what, what his favorite... What, what his new one was for yeah. this movie that he, and, that he created. Uh, yes, he he said that it was what was called, uh, what he called a, quote, love theme for Kieran Han. So that's the first bit of confirmation that we have gotten from anybody involved that I know of uh, about a potential love interest between the two, Han and Kira. Very interesting. And yeah. I think... I mean, I kind of assumed, I, I, right? I think we all assumed, but you're right. This is there's no that I know of, uh, yeah. like you said, official confirmation that there is going to be some sort of love interest between the two of them. Exactly, but he he does follow it up with a uh, with a quote that which has us having more questions than answers, right? Which he says, "But is it real love?" So I mean, obviously mm. we know the answer to that is probably no because he ends up with Leia. Obviously, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's just. Uh, Interesting piece there. So one of the other favorites of mine was with one of our favorite actresses in just general, who is awesome, and it was Amelia Clark who plays Kira. Yeah, she's. I mean, I don't. We don't need to tell anybody how awesome how awesome she is and how excited we are that she's part of now of two of my favorite. Um, universes i guess you could i guess you could say game of thrones and now star wars which is super sweet i'm very excited to you know see more about her character and um you know she had (laughs) her interview was kind of was kind of funny going back to that game of thrones the uh the person interviewing her you know first we have he brought this up first we have uh gwendolyn christie who plays brienne of tarth um also uh, captain phasma now we've got mila clark Daenerys Targaryen and and Kira now in uh, Solo and they asked her you know is there anybody else from Game of Thrones that we can that that's you know kind of on you about hey I need to be part of the Star Wars universe hook me up and uh, her first response was yo kit kit he needs to he needs to be in Star Wars he's desperate and I'm, I'm like that would be awesome I would love to see Kit Harrington in that a Star be- Wars movie Yes, please. Can, can yes, please. Yes, please. he has my vote. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I, I don't know. Just judging by the way she said it, she, I mean, she didn't hesitate. Like she said it immediately. Kit is desperate. Like it makes me think that no, Kit actually wants to be in in one of the Star Wars movies, which yeah, would be awesome. That would be awesome. There was no pause after asking that question. She that was Kit, and that was the only answer she gave. Kit Harrington. That would be dope. Yeah, I think so. You touched on something that she said in I, what the Graham Norton interview, right? She, yeah, she mentioned it in this as well, saying that uh, that her relationship with Han, with Han is something that they've known each other for most of their life, right? Right. And when asked, when asked kind of further 
which when the interviewer kind of delved further into that, she essentially just said something along the lines of that they're getting ready um, to to tell you what you already know, right? Which mm-hmm. to me that's pretty ambiguous, right? That's kind of an ambiguous thing, but I they're really trying not to give anything away. They're not trying this. to give anything away, and I I just have a feeling mm-hmm. that when we watch the movie afterwards, we're gonna be like, ah, that's what she was talking about, right? You know? I, I don't know why it's just, gonna be like an aha moment, mm-hmm. um, but they're definitely being very careful about not spoiling anything for us. So another one of my uh, favorite interviews for a very weird reason, and and you pointed this out to me, uh, was John and Lawrence Kasdan, the the co-writers of this story. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know Lawrence Kasdan. He's iconic. He wrote arguably the best Star Wars movie uh, to date, Empire Strikes Back. One could say the best movie to date. One could say the best movie to date. I, I totally agree. The cool thing is now he has teamed up with his son, uh, John Caston, to write yeah. Solo. And this Who is, is also, I, I'm pretty sure he's a, a credited actor, or uh, screenwriter in many other things. So I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, nothing that I've ever heard. I mean, I don't know much about I, him. Um, I think he actually helped write some of Rogue, uh, Rogue Squadron. Oh, uh, Rogue, Rogue One. Squadron. Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah. Um, I knew what you meant. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting. Crazy. Okay, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that. But uh, nevertheless... Him and his father uh, have wrote this one, and and it's been a script that's been in the making. It's not something that just came up with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, recently. It's been something uh, that's been a long time coming. And he Lawrence talks about, you know, Star Wars is a saga about generations, right? And he touches on the fact that, you know, he was part of the original Star Wars. Now he gets to be part of this new Star Wars with his son. Um, it, it's, it was just a very like, captivating so uh, cool. moment. Um, Can you imagine? It really like, speaks to what Star Wars is and how people have experienced it through the ages. And, and this is a, a very real-life example uh, of that. That's true. So, I mean, like we have the original trilogy with our parents and, and you know probably some of their parents. <laughs> And and how you know they love that, and then us growing up with kind of pre the the prequel trilogy, uh, and then the prequel trilogy, and then the Clone Wars cartoons, and now all these new movies. That's a span of forty years that spans multiple generations, and that's uh, it, it's just so awesome. It's, and it's awesome to see this like happening in like right in front of us in Star Wars. Absolutely, I I mean I couldn't agree more. It's kind of like a a, a cinematic phenomenon. You know, when the Force Awakens came out. There were grandfathers who took their sons, and and their son took their sons, and and three, four plus generations sitting in one theater together, yeah. enjoying a movie that's spanned across forty plus uh, years. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Just, it's really it's really cool. Another thing about this interview with the Castens was if you close your eyes while listening to them. There's no difference. They sound exactly alike, and I zero difference. Definitely chuckled a little bit when 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 Lawrence opened his mouth and then John opened his mouth. I was like, "Wait, what? I, what? What's going on?" <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like Lawrence, I've heard him in the past, and he has a unique voice, kind of mm-hmm. higher pitched. And you're right. When I, I had no idea that because I was I was working when I was watching this, and and I just thought he just kept talking. And I look over, and I'm like, oh. Shit, that's his son talking. That's that's not Lawrence talking. <laughs> uh, that that definitely made me chuckle. So I think the last one I want to talk about is uh, Donald Glover. Actually, so he was, you know, he's playing Lando Calrissian, and in his interview, he brought up the competitive nature between him and Alden Ehrenreich, which I think is really cool. So when asked about that, he said it was competitive in a good way. Right. So, for example, Alden Ehrenreich kind of started doing kickboxing. So Donald Glover started doing kickboxing as well so they could beat him. They would work out together and he would try to do one more rep than Alden. Right. So it's a little competitive thing. And I think I really hope and I I believe that will translate pretty well into the movie. Right. I was just going to say, I mean, Lando and Han have that competitiveness in the movie anyway. So it's good to see that off screen. It's just kind of building and pushing that uh, um, that relationship between the two characters that we all know and love. I think this is a good uh, segue, something I wanted to talk about. I know that you mm. uh, 
also did was the fact that there has been very strong mention to the fact that Lando is pansexual. Yep. He's fluid, baby. <laughs> which is very which is very Lando. It is very Lando. Like when I when I heard this, I'm like, oh well yeah. D- yeah d- that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Not even not even question a question in my mind. And and it's really gotten very, very mixed reactions. As uh, does um, many social issues with the internet. It's it's it, it's ridiculous in my opinion. There's definitely two very clear sides to this. I yes. mean, in both sides, there's, you know, unhappiness coming from both sides of this. Yeah. I don't know. People are kind of upset that they feel that they ruined the, the womanizer nature of Lando. And in my opinion, that it really only strengthens his, uh, the, the type of character he is, right? He is a womanizer. But he's not just a womanizer. He's a manizer. And I don't, he, he just goes with the flow. And he's all about that. And in Last Shot, we find out that he is actually a... Uh, he falls in love with an alien. So it's not just, you know, gender. It, it's species whatever. Or, you know, a VCR and whatever. I mean, whatever's there. He is very, like, close <laughs> with l3 a droid i'm not saying you know i don't know you know who, who knows how he but knows i that, mean but. that's kind of the definition of pansexual though yeah right so mm-hmm. maybe the droids giving him mechanical hand jobs in the back of the millennium <laughs> falcon we don't know so and, and then john kasdan actually wrote back uh he, he wrote a tweet that really um kind of i think sums up what i would think is the the feeling and the sentiment behind you know all of Lucasfilm, and in, in that he says that he's not sorry at all that he did this because uh, quote the galaxy George gave birth to in seventy seven is big enough for everyone straight gay black white brown Twi'lek Celestin Wookie droid and anything in between. I mean that's a really it's great perfect. way. It's a great way of putting it. I mean I couldn't have said it any better. We'll link to that tweet in the show notes so you can like it and tweet it to your followers. There's obviously the people who say, "Oh no, Han is a or or Lando is a ladies' man. He can't be pansexual." But then there's also the other side of it, the LGBTQ community that's kind of saying, "Okay, well we've had enough of you talking about it. Let's see it." Like yeah, it's like it's, if, it's it's great if they're going to say, "Okay, Lando is pansexual." Okay, sweet. How do we know that? Are you, you going to show? Yeah, say it all you want. Lower, show him having sex with his droid. Show him, you know. I, I I don't know. Like uh, I mean, the the options are endless. Let's actually see them yeah, put that into action. Like they're kind of pandering to the get the brownie points, but while not really actually going the full length to say yes, he actually is pansexual. It's just yeah, he is right in passing right. And, and okay, I mean, yeah. and they might show some stuff. In yeah. the, and I hope that they do. Um, you know, that's the whole point. Like, why say that he's pansexual if you're mm-hmm. not actually gonna add it to it. the plot or yeah. follow through with it i do have way. to say that i think star wars in general and and, and i kind of want to delve into this a little further in a further episode but they're very progressive right and i think uh we see that a lot more so with the newer canon not more so but we're seeing a lot of it in some of the books where they're kind of introducing um you know gender non-binary characters uh they're introducing gay characters that we just haven't seen before and you know the more the better i welcome it uh, the galaxy is a large place there's going to be it's many, a huge many, place many different types of people many different types of species that are going to have different things different asexual, types of pansexual yeah. whatever sexual all kinds matter. of different se- i mean you're right i mean it's a huge huge galaxy um and and who are we to say that oh, only females and males are the only people who can enjoy a sex it's it's just a it's just a stupid thought it's it's pretty ridiculous so Going back to the the red carpet premiere, that kind of sums up most of what I found interesting out of the the cast and crew. There, they did interview pretty much everyone else. Like I said, um, the, Ron Howard, the director, the actress that plays L three Phoebe. Uh, they interviewed Alden Ehrenreich, who again said Falcon, which comes <laughs> up. Um, they interviewed Thandie Newton, which I think actually I did mention. I did briefly mention this earlier. She actually talks about who her character is a little bit uh, kind of not really giving any spoilers, but saying that she, that this is the most proficient skilled and no nonsense character, which that she's ever played. Right. Which is cool because if you watch Westworld, she's very proficient, skilled and no non pretty much. Yeah. Nonsense. um, I I like that. I think that's going to be great. She also calls out that this was the type of role that would have 
generally have gone to a man and that she uh interesting time and time again and that you know for a woman to be quote that dope she's really liking that and and in hopes that that it can promote the normalcy of having a female character in that role and again that's more power absolutely that that's super exciting to hear uh and you know we don't know that much about thandy newton's character uh from the trailers we only see her Mm -hmm. like a few seconds of her um but it sounds like she's gonna be really fun to watch so the premiere was last week, as we said, um, and of course there's going to be all kinds of reviews uh, coming out of that, right? Um, mostly positive stuff, uh, I think. A um, little bit, obviously people are going to have negative th- negative things to say, they always do about any movie. Uh, so far, I'm, you know, I try not to pay too much attention uh, to these things. I'm still excited about it, but I know that there was some less than ideal reviews that came out of this. I think so, I think. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a seventy. I think it's at. I think it's hovering around seventy-two percent right now, which is a pretty. It's a decent score. It's not horrible. No, but it's not great when you compare it to what Rotten Tomatoes has given a lot of the other Star Wars it movies. It is the worst score that one that a new movie uh, since Disney took over. It is the worst score out of any of the ones that have come out. And and I think it's it's sitting at like number three, uh, right ahead of Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Yeah, three. Which, in terms of what's from the from, from, from the worst, yeah. yeah, which is not really great to hear. But Rotten Tomatoes has given crappy scores to lots of movies that lots of people have liked. Yeah, um, and they've also given good scores to movies that lots of people didn't like. Hated, right? Like The Last Jedi. Ninety-one <laughs> percent. Ninety. Oh, uh, yeah. So I don't really give a shit about what Rotten Tomatoes has to say about Star Wars. To to be perfectly honest, true. But I think so. They they gave kind of a consensus overall view, which kind of sums up most of what I saw in some of these reviews, right? So if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus was quote a flawed yet fun and fast paced space adventure. Solo should satisfy newcomers to the saga as well as longtime fans who check their ex- expectations at the door. And that's what I do. I check my. I'm gonna check my expectations at the door. I mean, it's kind of a good summary of exactly how I'm going into this movie. So, again, no cause for alarm on my part. Anyway, I'm still one thing, very much looking forward to it. One thing that I saw that kind of worried me from the beginning we've talked about it before uh all man reich and how he is as han solo from what i've seen in some of the reviews from things like the rolling stone i think the new york times kind of hit on it as well apparently all near does a decent job which is which is good to hear again that was one of the the bigger concerns um, um when this movie was was first announced so great to see that he was able to step it up and fill those shoes yeah and i think it's kind of some of the the general feelings from a lot of the reviews that I've seen also is that Solo kind of plays it safe. Um, and I, I don't really exactly know exactly what that means, but, you know, maybe they're not taking as many risks in terms of a challenging story or, you know, some different story arcs that it's more just a action-adventure, cookie-cutter sort of thing, but with, you know, a Millennium Falcon and lasers. So <laughs> I'm going to love it. Yeah, right? That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope that they 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 do take some risks. Uh, don't just play it safe across the board. But yeah, I mean, either way, I, I mean, I think they're probably some of the risks that they're taking um, from what we've seen in the trailers. And you know, again, we've touched on this before, but is some of the humor, right? We see it a lot in more the newer Star Wars, but still, I think I'm assuming there there's going to be a lot more humor in this one. So I think that's kind of risky because it's it's risky, but it's, it doesn't. But as long as they do it. In the right way, it doesn't get well. Right, right. Like, we don't need another repeat of The Last Jedi. And I think one of the reviews that I liked the most was a tweet from Kevin Smith, who is also a giant nerd like us. Big, long-time Star Wars fan. I mean, yeah, we all know that. He said, he tweeted out a review of what he thought about the movie, and that it essentially is good fan service to the movie and, and to the fans, and that people should probably really like it. I'll link to the, the tweet in the show notes. That's it's always awesome to hear from from big hardcore Star Wars fans that they were pleasantly uh, that they were pleased uh, with the overall mm-hmm. feeling from the movie. So one thing we want to get into definitely is what we expect from this movie, what we're hoping to get out of this movie. But before we do that, I want to talk to you a little bit about the the novel uh, that came out last shot. I know you read it. I'm not really much of a 
a reader myself, uh, so I only always lean on you for those kinds of things. So, um, yeah. want to talk a little bit about that and what what your thoughts on the book were. Yeah. So, Last Shot was a novel written by Daniel Jose Older, I think is his name, and it came out April seventeenth. So it's been out for just over a month, and it it was a pretty good book. So it was kind of something that sandwiches the uh, newer content and some of what we know from the original trilogy as well as before Solo. So I think the timelines are, so it starts with the now time. And the now time is seven years after Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And Ben Solo is a two-year-old. Han is living on, I forget the planet, but with Leia, who is a senator in the New Republic, and Han is a retired general who is taking over as a flight captain or instructor. So that's that's the now time period, seven years after Return of the Jedi. And that's how it starts. And that's how it starts. Yeah. And then there's another time period, which is, I think it's, quote, ten, about ten years earlier. So it's between, you know, around three, four years before A New Hope. And that's the Han time period that we see. With He has the Millennium Falcon, so it's definitely after Solo. Mm-hmm. And then the other time periods are about 15 years before uh, the now period. So it would be about five years prior Han to Solo. Time. So about five years probably before Solo. And that follows Lando. And he, and he has the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. And there's one more, which follow, it's about 20 years before the now time period. So about five years, again, further in the past. And that follows the, the villain in the story, this guy named Faison Gore, who is a uh, an Utapau. He's from Utapau. So, you know, like that... Guy Interesting. Like, uh, from episode three, <laughs> he says his creepy ass teeth. Tenth level, thousands of battle droids. <laughs> exactly that guy. So that is uh, so that's the timeline, right? What What's happens? the name of the villain again? Fizen Gore. Now here's the thing: I I don't read novels anymore. I listen to them in audiobook. So for the longest time, I was Fizen Gore. Dryden Voss, it's very similar in my head. So for the longest time, I was like, that guy's not from Utapau. Like, it's Paul Bettany. Like, what? I'm so confused. <laughs> so then I, you know, I looked it up. And, um, but anyway, so what? kind of a quick rundown of the story. Spoilers for those who don't want to hear about this if you're planning on reading it. I feel like we need like a, like a spoiler, like, ooh, ooh. Yes. You know, like the Imperial Alert, Rogue like a One. button or something. Like, <laughs> Anyway, well, spoilers. We can, we can add that in post. There you go. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Now we're thinking. People who knew what they were doing on a podcast would do something like that. That's the terminology, right? Add that in post? Sure. Something like that? Whatever you say, man. The overarching storyline is there is a uh, – it starts with Han – or sorry, with Lando in Cloud City. And one of his droids try kind of gets hacked by this character in a green cloak. Lobot? No, actually. Oh. Uh, Lobot is there, and um, oh, he doesn't die. I, I, something happens that the droid gets past Lobot and into Han, or Lando's thing, and Lando, I think, kills the droid. But the, the droid is essentially just saying, kill, kill, right? And that's all he's doing. Okay. So then it, it kind of goes next to, uh, the next scene is Han and Leia in their home, um, you know, living the, the normal mom and pop life. So this is like uh, fast forward along. No, no. This is this. Oh, that, that oh, oh okay. I'm getting now. Too many story. Too many times. I'm getting confused. Got it. So, <clears throat> and Lando shows up there and punches Han in the face. Like immediately, as soon as he sees him, punches him right in the face. And it turns out that this uh, this character in the green cloak was tried to kill Lando because the Millennium Falcon stole something from him about ten years ago. So Lando shows up knowing that about ten years ago Han has Han the Millennium Falcon. Falcon. Right. And now just to, just so I'm keeping my story straight because there's all these jumping around town is just confusing the fuck out of me. This is the now time Ben's a little kid. Ben Ben's is a, a kid, and yeah. this is after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, this is about two years or seven years after Return of the Jedi, and two years after the uh, Battle of Jakku, because I believe that got it. Ben was conceived around the time of the Battle of Jakku. Battle of Jakku. Yeah, so so, so do we know what this item was that was stolen from this mysterious green figure? Not yet. And that's that's what this book is about. 
So they jump around in timelines because uh, they kind of go into who this character in green is. We find out that it is Faison Gore, who was a medical student 20 years ago on Utapau that was kidnapped and essentially stranded because his craft crashed. Mm-hmm. And he had a droid with him and he kind of became, I wouldn't say crazy, but he, he came up with this and I this ideology that sentients were lesser people than droids so he kind of had this thing of putting droid parts on humans to make them better because human or not humans just living sentient beings in general so he had this this whole love obsession with droids eventually any connection there between him and general grievous not that i know of i I believe this would be after the time of general grievous Mm. yeah Okay. Yeah, I guess I mean there's just like a lot of connect because General Grievous went to Utapau. That's one of his one of his bases where we know that General Grievous was originally a member of the Kalish, uh, and before he opted into getting his body mostly, for the most part, replaced entirely with droid parts. So that's interesting that you say that. That was my, the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, hmm. That's what true. does he have to do with General Grievous? There seems like there's too many connections there for it to be a coincidence. But but you know maybe maybe yeah, not. I never thought of that. So to kind of speed this up a little bit, we find out that the thing that the Millennium Falcon stole about ten years ago was this thing called the Finance Redux Transmitter, and it all kind of weaves together because about fifteen years ago, L three is going into this kind of unexplored region in space with with Lando, not really telling him what's going on. And in that region of space... At this time, this is prior to this Solo. This is 15 years ago, yeah. In that timeline, they go... So this is before Han has the Falcon. They go and they battle with this, again, this figure in green that's kind of flying through space on his own in like a jetpack. And they came close to destroying the Phylance Redux transmitter about 15 years ago. So that he flies off because they were about to get destroyed. And then, you know... The timeline of 10 years ago, Han, with his love interest at the time, uh, a character named Sana Staros, who I think is in some of the comics, she's with him, and they together steal the Finance Redux transmitter. But uh, Han actually throws it out the side because they got backstabbed by some of their smuggler friends, and um, it's kind of lost. So for the longest time, they don't know where it's at. So what is this device? What does it do? So what this thing does is it essentially, it's a transmitter, right? And it... it <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> so what it does is it transmits a, a signal to droids in any vicinity. And it's on this like, it's it's on this path that's traveling across the galaxy by itself. Ah. Which is kind of cool. But what it does is it emits a signal and it will essentially convert droids to killing machines. Interesting. So it, it kind of follows through into his thing of sentients are lesser beings and that droids are better. And it was his vision to hack essentially all these droids to take Wipe over. Wipe out sentient life. Their, exactly. And that is something that it's really interesting because uh, we, we know Ben Solo is at home. Leia is off doing Senate duty stuff. We have Han off doing, um, you know, trying to save the galaxy stuff and ben is at home by himself cared for by a top of the line service droid so when that signal eventually goes out it tries to kill ben hmm. long story short lando successfully blows up the phalanx redux transmitter i believe fizengor is killed and they save the galaxy that's pretty much it it's uh it's it's pretty there's a couple things i do want to touch on in this one being that we know that han they they touch on how he's not really liking the life of a family man of how things came on so quickly it was almost as if it was a unplanned thing that they were like oh shit like we have a kid now we better settle down not really that surprised and we also judged by this book they are Leia's off doing her thing. Han's off doing her thing. So Ben is by himself. That's our first taste as to probably probably the life that Ben lived that really drives him to become who he is in his distaste for his parents because 
they were never around. They they weren't caring for him. They were off caring for the galaxy. And all it kind of brings this whole thing full circle. And one last thing, very minor. In this, they do actually talk about how the Millennium Falcon was pristine and super fresh when Lando had it. But apparently Han didn't like that at all. That he purposely made it shitty. That he didn't think people should live that way. That it just wasn't his vibe. So when he got it, he just didn't let take it, it go. He let it go <laughs> purposely. So that's how it got to be where it is. Maybe that's part of the reason that it's now missing its center piece. Presuming it's not some sort of weapon that's shot off or, you know, I mean, I guess I'm not really sure what, but I guess we'll find out more. Um, so that's last shot. Um, it's going to tie in maybe somewhat to the movie. Again, sandwiches the movie a little bit. So I'm glad we had this conversation because I don't want to be confused uh, during Not that I will be. Yeah. And I don't know who knows how much they'll tie into it, but uh, it'd be really cool to have exactly. a little bit, a few Easter eggs in there that have to with, do with, uh, the, with the with movie. With Rogue One, they, they put out Catalyst, which was their that tie-in novel, right. which followed Jin's dad, Galen Urso. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of backstory around who uh, the relationship between Galen and, oh gosh, why can't I think of the bad guy's name in the movie? In the movie? In Rogue One. Uh, Krennic. Yes, director Krennic. Um, so I, I imagine it'll be somewhat similar. Um, I don't think we'll see Fizen Gore or the Phylanx Redux transmitter, but you never know. Yeah, who knows? Only time will tell. So let's wrap this up with uh, talking about some of the expectations we have going into this movie. We're, we're going to be... Uh, today's the 25th. We're seeing it here in a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so pumped. Very excited. What are some of the things that you want answers about? Some of the things that you're hoping to see? I, I'm i really excited about, again, seeing... It's kind of a question I didn't know was going to be answered, like you said earlier. Uh, I, I'm really excited about seeing the start of the relationship between Han and Chewie in a star relationship between Han and Lando. Those are probably the two things that I'm most excited about seeing. Absolutely. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. How those relationships start, how they develop, uh, and, and you know, um, hopefully get a sense of the relationship that we know them to have from the original trilogy. That's definitely uh, top of my list for sure. Another one that I'm curious about is we've seen images of kira i think it's on some action figures Mm -hmm. with her holding in her hand a pair of gold dice uh attached to a metal chain which Mm -hmm. we saw in the last jedi and i I guess we i I think think we also see in one of the tv spots i think he puts do we see him in tv spots yeah Uh, presumably it's also you can see shots of it in the original trilogy I don't recall that, but I never... I don't recall it either. It's something that I read. I don't even know that it's true. Um, just something that I that I saw. I've never personally seen them or haven't really looked for them in the original trilogy. But uh, we see these dice. They're definitely more important in The Last Jedi. Kylo picks them up at the very end, uh, and they kind of dis they kind of yeah. disappear. Uh, with and, and Luke. Luke makes a point to to give it to Leia, right? So there's some sentimental value there. There is. So very interested in seeing how what Kira has to do with those dice, what they mean to Han, and what the overall significance to the plot uh, is with that. Exactly. And and lastly, I think what I'm. Um, also really excited to see something that I expect to see uh, probably early on in the film is Han's background in the Empire and how he, uh, I mean, we see him in some of the uniform. I don't I don't know if that's because, you know, they're dressing up to do that, but I'm pretty sure it is confirmed that he was a part of the Empire. He was a recruit. And I th- I'm excited to see and expect to see some of that probably early on in the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um I want really want to see and I and we're gonna get this. We've already seen we've already talked about it. We've seen it in some of the TV spots. I want to see some Kira badassness. Uh, and I wanna I'm very curious to find out more about Dryden Voss as well. So 
a lot of expectations. Um, not too high though. You know, I don't want to be. I don't want to be leaving with the same feeling I had when I left the Last Jedi. But nope, nope. Don't want to get our hopes up that much. Um, but, uh, setting our expectations at a reasonable level. Having said that, I'm very excited about this movie. I think it's going to be great. Um, and uh, again, I can't say this enough. Very excited to to see the beginnings of the relationships that we know so well now from the original trilogy. Yep. So that kind of wraps up our our final thoughts um, preview of of Solo, a Star Wars story. Make sure you know after we go see the movie, we are going to be doing our next episode on our reaction to the film. Uh, so make sure you follow us uh, on Twitter uh, and, or on Facebook. Check out our website uh, so you know when that next episode is going to drop. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>